When it comes to booking in time with your prospects, we want to reduce no-shows and cancellations. We want to make sure that the right prospect is speaking to the right AE at the right territory and right time zone. Also, we want to reduce those no-shows and cancellations. That's exactly what Chili Piper's booking platform can help you do. Chili Piper are the official sponsors of the SDR Disco Call show. And if you want to check out more, head over to chilipiper.com forward slash happy. Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hey there, listeners and watchers. Welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call Show. And today we have a very exciting guest. But before I dive into the guest, a gentle reminder for our listeners and watchers, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify, etc., please make sure that you comment, like, and subscribe. And also, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please like, comment, share, and subscribe so we can get this message out to more people. Now, our guest that's coming into today's show is somebody who reached out to me, and I love it when reps reach out to me asking if they can come onto the show. The only difference with this one was uh, this person had a bit of an athletic career, uh, and it circled around the world of UFC. So I'm not a, spa- uh, a sporting man by any stretch, and I'm not into UFC, but a lot of my friends are. So when this individual reached out, I went to my my network, my friends, and I said, hey, there's this dude that wants to come on my show, and he's been in UFC. Do you know this guy? And my friend then sent me a Wikipedia link and said, Neil, get this guy on the show. And I was like, <laughs> okay, bro. So John, if you're watching, thank you very much for the link and recommendation. And yes, I researched a bit, checked out all of a bunch of content on YouTube, and I was like, whoa, this dude's like in the SDR land, and he wants to come on my show. I was like, Yay! <laughs> So without further ado, Chris, welcome to the SDR Disco Call Show. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Neil, and thanks for having me. I appreciate this opportunity of being on the show. It's, it's um, I've been listening to the SDR Disco Podcast for a while. When I got in the game of, of, of tech, the first thing I said is like, hey, listen, I got to understand this SDR game, and I got to understand exactly how it works. So... I got to listen to some podcasts, and there really wasn't many podcasts out there. And then I came across yours, been a game changer. So thank you for uh, giving life to this great podcast. Woo! I love that. Thank you so much, Chris. And it's a pleasure to hear that it landed in your ears and it's been helping you out. But Chris, for the listeners and for the watchers out there, could you tell us, like, who are you? Where are you based in the world? Where do you work? And what do those guys and girls do? Yeah, my name is Chris Cope. I'm based in Southern California and ironically, Corona, California. Um, <laughs> I work for a company called Crowdbotics. Uh, we build we build apps and we do a lot of dev work as well, too. I uh, was an SDR there for a lo- about a year and then I recently got promoted to account executive. So time to play with the big boys. Um, got the call up and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So. Jeez. Yeah, and, we're, we're yeah, only two and, minutes into this and I'm already feeling pumped, Chris. I love this. I love this. 
Um, so uh, again, Bayesat and Kelly, and again, ladies and gentlemen, Chris is joining us like 5 a.m. in the morning for us. It's like, what, one o'clock in the afternoon in the UK today uh, in June 2022. But Chris, um, outside of sales, before we jump into your stories, like what, what do you think, what things float your boat? What do you like to get up to in your spare time, sir? Yeah, well, of course, my my resume has always been, um, you know, martial arts. Um, I was a, you know, I did fight for the UFC. You know, I, I have, I, you know, I know Dana White. I mean, I was able to to be on the Ultimate Fighter um, season thirteen. My coach is Brock Lesnar, and I've also been in sales the, for a long time. Hmm. Uh, the whole time that I was training and fighting, I was, you know, in sales, and. The UFC has been kind of like my calling card. And hmm. now I'm retired. Whole name of the game is being in tech. But what I like to do on my on my side time is hang out with my family. I got a three-year-old son. Uh, I like to go to the beach. Orange County, Huntington Beach is about 40 minutes from me. And, of course, you know I'm retired now, but I still do a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I recently got into the sport of triathlon. So I wow. signed up for a half Ironman, and I got to, I got to do that basically in uh, December. Absolutely love that. And um, dude, you've just got this aura of energy just like spurring. I don't know if <laughs> listeners, but you can feel this, but I can definitely feel this as well. And for the listeners and watchers, um, what I like to do with every guest that comes onto this show is put links to the LinkedIn so you can obviously connect with Chris uh, once you've watched this episode. But I'm going to be putting some links into his UFC content, checking out his previous season and YouTube videos, because I think he's got a very cool story. And we're going to be diving into bits of that today. Um, so Chris, um, like again, before we dive into the professional sales work, and as you said, like you had a marriage between like doing training and you were also doing sales as well. I think for a lot of our listeners who are fans of UFC, could you kind of just like walk us through, like, how did you get into that gig and kind of what was going on in that world? What did it mean to you? And then, you know, what was the, the catapult into sales thereafter? Yeah, you know, the funny thing was, I don't even know how I ended up in fighting because I played sports, you know, my whole life. I played basketball, I played soccer, um, I played baseball, and I was playing college basketball, and I would do martial arts kind of on the side. And then eventually, I was in a game, and I was driving the hole, and, and I went for a layup, and I'm 6'1". They had me play in the 4 or 5 spot, so I'm guarding guys that are like 7 feet tall. And I'm like <laughs> driving the lane. I got these big arms swapping, and then all of a sudden I make it in. I'm like, okay, this basketball is not for me. These guys are these guys are massive. It's just not going to make sense. And I remember going to my coach's office, and he said to me, uh, well, what are you going to do now? You're leaving basketball. He looks at me like you should be like a Navy SEAL. Well, I ended up getting involved in martial arts instead, which has always been a passion for me. And hmm. next thing you know uh, – I'm doing regular traditional martial arts. Some kickboxers come into the, the, the martial arts school. They beat up all the karate guys. I ditched the <laughs> key. I put on some boxing gloves. And then before you know it, I'm doing uh, Muay Thai fights. Uh, developed a little bit of an identity, and I just I, I gravitated towards that. And mm. next thing that basically happened was I just I just started I fell in love with it. And then before mm. you know it. Somehow, in some way, I was able to actually make it to the UFC. I was never a God-given guy. I never had God-given athletic ability. And I pushed, and I pushed, and I pushed. And then eventually, I made it on the Ultimate Fighter. I, I tried out for that season five times. And then eventually, I got on season 13. And it was kind of iconic because, you know, I, I went to UFC 100 in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And that was a significant thing. And I, I was running past all these people. 
And I remember seeing from like the nosebleed seats, Brock Lesnar weighing in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was like a little ant. And then all of a sudden I make it on CG 13. Dana White's in front of us. He's like, hey, I want you to welcome your coaches, Junior Dos Santos and Brock Lesnar. And then here I am, like, right in front of him. He's like five feet away. I'm on his team. And, you know, we, we basically bonded with him for, you know, over, over six weeks. And then that led to the UFC. And then I retired uh, mainly due to the reason that I always said if somebody – starts to show signs of like CTE, like brain issues and stuff like that, then I would retire. Mm-hmm. And then guys that I would train with, they started becoming public, you know, about this. They started having yeah. some head issues. They started injuries. And I said to myself, okay, I can stay in this game for a long time, but how much abuse am I going to basically be taken on? I can fight for the UFC once or I can fight for the UFC a thousand times. No matter what, you know, I'm a UFC vet. So I've got to pivot into something else. So I decided to get in the gym space and do gym gym mm. sales. I was a manager at a UFC gym, and that's the main reason why I came out here to Corona. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, what happened was COVID hit. You know, mm. I'm, I'm in the gym. The TVs are on. They call the NBA game because somebody tested positive for COVID. They call it an NHL game. And all of a sudden, from that point, that night, Everything gets shut down, and then I'm in the gym the next day. We're on a conference call. There, everybody in the UFC gym is on this call, like it's the end mm. of the world. They're talking yeah, like it's never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I get in my car, <laughs> I drive to Walmart, and I'm treating this like you know I've seen The Walking Dead. I'm treat, treating this like apocalypse. <laughs> I'm stuck on the shopping cart. I'm throwing in all the survival stuff. I, I got like a survival pack, and then we went remote. And then they ended up closing my gym um, because the mm. landlord wasn't going to you know renegotiate the lease. So the gym yeah. was closed. I'm unemployed. I don't know what to do. So at that point, I, I tried some side jobs that, that weren't working out. Um, and then I reached out to my friend, uh, Mike Fossey, that was involved in tech for, for a long time. And then my other friend, uh, Max James. And they put me kind of on a protocol to apply to 10 jobs every day um, for, you know, I did this for like two months. And then mm-hmm. I didn't get any callbacks. And then all of a sudden, Crowdbotics, you know, gave me a gave me a shout. So tech, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but tech, I say tech's kind of like the mob. <laughs> it's very hard to get into, but once you're in, you're, you're in. not leaving. You know? <clears throat> and then Crowdbotics brought me on board. And then um, my sales director AJ Smith, you know, interviewed me, and I felt the first time in a very long time. Like I was part of something. Like I was mm. part of a company and a and a place that I really felt special about. And that's that's how I ended up at Crowdbotics and do what I'm doing now. That is such a super cool story. Like going through different changes and I wanna pick upon like some bits that I can remember hearing through that. <clears throat> and you know, like <laughs> I love the analogy of like text kind of like the mob. It is hard to get in <laughs> for some people. And you know, like once you're in, you're hooked, you know. Um, and you are looked after and it is like a sort of family sort of vibe to it. But coming back to like those younger years where, you know, you was like looking to do basketball and then figure out, okay, these guys are bigger than you and, you know, maybe this isn't for you and having that chat with your coach, like what should you do? Um, and then, you know, picking up those gloves and then coming into that world of UFC. For a young guy, uh, it sounds like you've gone through some tough times and you've built up this resilience or, you know, like you're going to push forward, you're going to move forward. And I think for a lot of SDRs, 
and people in sales or, you know, generally in life, they will have to go through a lot of challenges or struggles or learn how to adapt. Kind of like how, how did you cope, Mr. Cope, or with going through all these sort of changes and what was at the forefront of your mind when you were experiencing new things? I've never been the strongest, the fastest, or the most skilled, but nobody is going to outwork me. Will Smith, despite what he did at the Oscars and his famous you know, slap around the world, um, <laughs> he had an analogy they said about being on a treadmill. He said, if we get on a treadmill race, I'm going to win because either I'm going to win or I'm going to die. Nobody's beating me on that treadmill. Hmm. And we all have time. So I, I realized that what I can't, what I lack in talent and skill I make up with grit and tenacity, and then eventually I'll get there. I won't get there as fast as the natural, but eventually that person's going to quit. They're going to get tired. They're going to they're gonna phase out, and that's when I drown them. <laughs> that is so – I love that. That's, that, that, that's intimidating, dude. I'm not going to lie. That's a lot of good drive there. Um, and you're right. It's that, it's that grit. I think with a lot of SDRs that I speak to, you know, they are – we, ha we live in this world of social media where we see a lot of things online where people are succeeding or living the good life or getting that great job. And we don't see the shit that happens underneath the iceberg, you know, the troubling times, the problems we go through, the challenges, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, a lot of young people may compare themselves to others. And where you talk about you may not be good at this or you may not have that, but you do have, you know, this grit and this drive and for moving forward. Like, I think we can be our own worst critic. And I think somebody, again, and I'm only assuming here, where you've kind of been on public TV, you've been in front of millions of people. Um, how do you keep, like, a level head and how do you reflect on yourself, you know, like to, you know, not get into your own darkness? Yeah, you know, ego is, I think ego is, is a big problem in a lot of people's worlds. Um, and the ego is going to cause you to, you know, when you become your own idol, you're going to lead to your demise and to your downfall. Um, mm. And you're going to lose that hunger. Now you have to have that mentality of always, always climbing the mountain. And I use this UFC thing as a hook. That's it. Like when I connect with people on LinkedIn, it's former UFC vet works in tech, looking to connect. You're going to mm. accept me because all of a sudden you can go run over to your buddies and say, Hey, this guy just requested yeah. me to be in the UFC. Yeah, same here. Same thing happened here. <laughs> yeah. It works. So I, I, I use it, <clears throat> I use it as a, as a business card, but ego is, is one of the worst, I think con is the worst attributes in sales because I think sales is 20% talking, 80% listening. And when you're only talking about yourself, nobody's going to want, to hear that you can't actually give a prescription to somebody you're talking to and, and to qualify them and everything else. Um, mm. I see a lot of people in the fight game, you know, be egomaniacs and it's a problem. And they're not going to, they, they, they end up phasing out their, their yesterday's news. You take someone like Dana White, for example, right? Mm -hmm. The guy, the guy's mad humble. He's not, he's, he's super chill. Like when the, when the, when the season wraps for the ultimate fighter, not a, not a lot of people know about this, but when the season wraps, the cameras turn off, you know, Dana comes and picks you up at the Palace Station Hotel where they, they, they house us after we, we leave the house. And it's just him. Like we come walking down these stairs. There's no security. There's no, it's just Dana White standing there with the driver and we get in a car mm -hmm. and we drive to, he takes you to this, you know, fancy Vegas restaurant and we had like a 
like a ten thousand ten thousand dollar meal. And I remember he tipped he tipped him five grand. Jeez. So that that waiter must have been loving life, right? But that yeah. guy, even at the level that he's at, he's super mm-hmm. humble. And I've come across a lot of celebrities as well too that are they treat people just they treat they act as a regular person, you know, and they're, they're yeah. super super humble. And <clears throat> I think that's a very good point. I was um, having this, well, kind of weighing in on a conversation with uh, Morgan J Ingram, so great SDR trainer out in the states, and he kind of. Um, you know, put a tweet out talking about celebrities and the way that we, you know, give so much praise to these people and stuff like that. And I kind of weighed in and I said, you know, what? I really, because I've worked in a music career and I've met a lot of famous people and, you know, affluential rich people. And what I realized was sometimes we're a fan of their art, but we may not be a fan of the person. So I've had a lot of great people, great musicians where I love their songs. And when I've met the actual people, I think they're a complete dick. You know, they're not really nice. <clears throat> and it's sometimes I've met other artists or, you know, other influential people where I'm like, you're exactly like the way that you put yourself in your videos, in your profile, in your work and all of that. When I met you, like, you're a very down to earth guy. <clears throat> and I had this experience with a sales trainer again in the US, John Barrows, where I'm a sales trainer and I was going through a rough patch and I reached out to the dude on link, uh, on Instagram, it was, and I had to send him a video message saying, hey, John, do you know what? I feel really effed up at the minute. I don't really know where I'm going with my business. And I just said, I'll appreciate your comment because I kind of saw him as a mentor, as a teacher, right? And this guy is super successful and he's done a lot of things and I aspire to be somebody like him. And what really got me, that made me happy, Chris, was he said, look, Neil, I'm, I'm, I'm growing this company. I'm doing CO shit. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I have half no idea what the hell I'm doing. And that for me was that aha moment. Like this guy that I'm looking up to, who's kind of like a sales celebrity. He's humble. He's being realistic. And I know how he feels and he's keeping it real, you know? And it's those sort of people that you respect. And you're right. Egos can sometimes get the better of us. And unfortunately, social media can, you know, exasperate that and make it a bit of, a bit of a problem. Um, but for somebody like me, and I'd love to ask your advice, like I'm running this YouTube show. It's not huge yet. Um, but I do get a lot of likes. I get comments. I do sometimes get a little bit of hate. I'm not going to lie, but I don't publicize that. How do you deal with having this new, how did you find dealing with that newfound attention or people actually knowing who the hell you were and a little bit more about maybe you as comfortable with them knowing? Yeah. I mean, when, when, when I first, when I first um, got on the Ultimate Fighter and I came off that show, they told us that our lives are about to change. Things are going to be a little different. Random people that we don't even know are going to come up to us and start talking to us and it's going to be a weird thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. So the show wraps and we had to sign these confidentiality agreements where we couldn't tell anybody where we were. So we basically dropped off the grid for six weeks, you know, I, the job that I was working at the time, they gave me the leave, which is, uh, you know, I appreciate. Um, mm. But we signed a, a lawsuit agreement, basically, if we talked about the, the show, you know, we could get sued. Yeah. So all of a sudden, we come back in six weeks, and everyone's like, where were you? Oh, I can't talk about it. It's like we're like a government, like assassin, right? <laughs> the no, mafia, no, right? It's no, the mob. It's the mob. Dude, I, I signed some serious legal documents where I can't, you know, I can't talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, what happens is, um, I'm in a car, and a guy looks over at me, and I, I did this thing on the show, which is always going, "Woo!" Right? This guy yeah. looks at me, and like he looks at like me, like he knows me, and then he goes, 
And I'm like, oh, dude, it's happening. And then randomly, <laughs> this would happen. Random people would um, come up to me and start talking to me. And it, I felt like mm-hmm. Edward Norton in Fight Club. If you remember yeah, that yeah. scene where yeah, like, he's yeah, walking yeah, around yeah. and people, people that just looking at, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of weird that I'd get, like, I had my cell phone number on Facebook. I was getting these random texts and people wanted to hang out. And, you know, and then what I finally realized was this is just part of the game. And you just got you got to run with it. You got to take it for what it is. But I learned a lot of stuff that I pivot that now into you know the SDR stuff of how you can take that image and that identity of of whoever you are, or whatever you are, and then make that your brand. Mm. Then once you have your brand, you then market that to people and then tell them why they should connect with you, why they should meet you, like how you're cool. Mm. Um, and then it gets that conversation starting, and then you just you know you just have a conversation with people. I love absolutely, and and you very so. It's great to hear that you know you understand it's part of the game. You've had to adapt it with something probably quite weird, where people know you for something. And um, I kind of had a little bit of that last year when we came out of lockdown, and I met a few SDRs in London events. And people say, "Oh, Neil, nice to meet you." And I was thinking, like, I don't know you. And there's, oh, I listened to you. So you commented. You replied to my thing. I was like, "Oh, yeah, cool, nice to meet you." Like again, it is it, again, it's a very, on a very small scale compared to perhaps what you've gone through yourself, but. You know, it's part of the game and it's it's about building that personal brand, you know, for things that you're known about. Um, the only thing that I can equate it to is I go into a lot of coaching gigs or manager gigs saying like, yeah, your coach or your manager is a rapper. And a lot of my reps will look like, okay, he's a bit old school. I don't really think he's up to date. And then we'll have some sort of team building exercise or a party. You know, hey, I can spit some bars and I hit them and they're just like, whoa, like you're good. And I was like, Okay, thanks. He said, no, no, but you're good. Like, I know you said you said you was a rapper, but everybody says that, but you actually do that stuff properly. And I was like, <laughs> I do what I say I'm going to do, right? Yeah. But it, oh, it's an icebreaker. Uh, and I use it in my trainings and, you know, I talk about all that stuff. But you're right. It's kind of like it builds a little bit of a persona around you other than just being that sales dude or that salesperson. And I love that. Um, but as you said, you're able to pivot those things into that SERL. So I'd love to come back to you know, like looking at your LinkedIn at Crowdbotics where you entered this SDR gig and this was something, you know, relatively new for yourself. You, you've broken in with the mob. You've been accepted by the family. You're one of the Paisons. You're there. <laughs> what was that first experience like and what was going through your mind of, you know, changing from this fighter mentality into this, you know, tech SDR gig? What was that like for you? You know, I, I, I wanted to compete, you know, and, and my whole thing was activities. You know, how many calls can I do? How many how many texts can I do? How many emails? And now I go into uh, HubSpot and what I do daily is just basically say, all right, I'm going to be the champ. Nobody's beating me. When the HubSpot, when I go on activities, I'm going to be number one. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to beat everybody you know, in all categories. And I make it I make it a competition because our company is 100% remote. And when you're just 100% remote, the engagement, the camaraderie, it's, it's a hard thing to, you know, to kind of replicate. But the competitive mm. edge is key. And I believe that you always want to find ways to sharpen the sword. So just like in fighting, where I pay a striking coach, a grappling coach, you know, a strength and conditioning coach, you know, now I'm going out to uh, programs, um, finding out how to be a better copywriter, how to write persuasive emails, how to, you know, studying human psychology, studying sales systems. Because now that I'm in tech, this is something just like an MMA where the more fights I win, the better I get, the bigger the organization I get into. Same with tech. Yeah. Guess what? 
the, the more numbers I put in, the more commissions, the more I rise that ladder and the more I can make a name for myself and become a hired gun. Mm. I love that. I absolutely love that, Chris. And you're right where, you know, uh, having this competitive edge to yourself, like where you want to be top dog, right? And you want to be crushing those numbers, crushing that activity. Um, but equally, like you said, like becoming better at certain skills. So like where you're saying with MMA, you'd have different coaches for different strengthening and conditioning with your body and relaying it to like writing better emails or, you know, doing better calls. And this is kind of like a thing that, uh, for our listeners out there with SDRs, you may find that you're super great at cold calls, or you may be super great at social selling and you may be really good at one thing and you may focus a lot of your time and efforts onto that. And the advice that I give to SDRs is you should be able to manage all the different crafts or different channels that you could be, you know, a remote seller. So again, you don't have to be 100% great at writing emails or 100% great at, you know, being on LinkedIn if, you know, one of the other channels is your strength point. But mastering it and doing those moves is what makes you an all-rounder so that if at any point something's not working, you can pull on another way. So I'd assume, again, to assimilate it to fighting where, you know, you may be kicking a lot, but then you're realizing, okay, you, you're in a short, you know, you're in a very enclosed space, so maybe you have to punch and do like close punches and kind of relate that to, to your SDRing. Um, but where you're, you know, being top dog and you're in a hub spot and then you're becoming a better professional, uh, a sales professional, what other things were going on, like being in a remote company? Cause as you said, the camaraderie, like the engagement with your team, it's not there. And perhaps a lot of our listeners are remote SDRs, you know, they're on their own, they're in their home office. They maybe only see their team once a day on Slack or zoom. Like what things would you say to them to keep them motivated, you know, to keep going forward? Just get to know them, you know, because you can you can develop a relationship like we, we've never met in person. We've talked a couple of times and we've, yeah. we've made a connection. And then through that connection, it carries on on a, on a digital realm. So the way in a, the way in the real world that you'd you know talk to people and, and hang out and you can do the same thing remote where you can go on Slack and have like a, a coffee break. Like usually in the office, you have a coffee break around like, you know, two hours into work. Well, now you can hop on Slack, grab a cup of coffee and then, you know, talk and, and get to know people. As long as you can see video and you have a conversation with them, you can mm -hmm. develop a connection. It was a little weird at first. You know, when I first started the remote stuff. I'm like, oh, I didn't have a computer. My wife, you know, Professor Soul bought me bought me a, a great laptop to get started, but I was like trying to get in the room. I couldn't get in the room. I couldn't turn my camera on. I couldn't. Yeah, it's like I was reborn <laughs> all over again. Yeah. I felt like I felt like Neo in the Matrix, where he finally sort of understood like what the real world is now, and he's like got to learn to walk again. And it was yeah. it was a completely different thing. But the camaraderie thing, you know, can be hard. But you just have to find different outlets that you can do that in. Hundred percent agree. And you know what, like. Um, I think where I faced this element of being like a remote manager with my last team, uh, we were having like daily stand-ups with having Zooms and have after-hour chats. And this was all done remotely. And what I found very frustrating as a manager was I could never really sense the real vibe of my team in the room. You know, like we could chat for 30 minutes, but as soon as that Zoom closed, I didn't know what was going on in their mind. I don't know if they agreed with what I said. Um, and my team kind of gave me a wake up call when I finally met them face to face where I said, like, do you remember Neil, we're a real team based out in Amsterdam, but you're the remote manager. You're the only one that's remote here. You're based in London, right? Um, so it's important for you to come out and meet your team every now and then, or, you know, just come out for drinks with us because I used to be really opposed 
to getting to know people outside of work because I used to think, dang, that's my time. And no, work's ended. Like, I don't do that shit after work. But having those chats, having those beers, or, you know, it doesn't have to be alcohol, uh, but making time for them. Or, you know, like when we had one to ones, I'll just say to my rep, I was like, look, let's forget about work today. I just want to know, like, what's going on in your world? How are you? And, like, what have you been up to? Like, how's life? And is everything okay? Is there anything you want to talk about? And equally, I would share stuff. And that's how I'd create that connection with people remotely because it is a bit difficult trying to do it over like a Zoom. But um, again, it's t- the, the energy I think that you bring into the room. Like I said, when I've connected with you, I just feel this vibe from you, Chris. <laughs> and like it pumps me up and I've got a training session after today's recording. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going in that good. Shit. I'm going to give them some Chris Cope energy, you know. Um, <clears throat> but again, also, like, uh, as I mentioned just before we jumped on this call, like a, a big, massive congratulations because it's been a year at Crowdbotics and you've been promoted to an account executive position. So round of applause for you, Mr. Cope, and well done for making it. What was that journey and what was that transition like? And what does it now feel like to be an AE at Crowdbotics? You know, it's, it's one of these things where you, you're going... You know, it's it was the same like how in the fight game where you're in the small promotions and then you get to call up and you think to yourself, okay, this is like the UFC or this is Strike Force or this is Bellator or one of these big organizations. You know, am I capable to, to hang with these guys? And you have to expand your mind. And then, you know, an old coach used to say this to me is that once your mind's expanded, it can never go back to where it once was. Yeah. You can't unlearn what you've already learned. You might not have ridden a bike for 20 years, but guess what? You learned how to do it. You can always get back on that bike. But pressure creates diamonds, and you have to be able to put yourself in uncomfortable situations and find a way to get comfortable because that's where you grow. You grow in pain. You talk about working out, right? Yeah, yeah, like Schwartz yeah. Schwartz used to say, you don't, get, you don't make the growth in the reps that you're doing, or I think my mama Lisa this. You, 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 you make the growth in the reps you can't do, that you need a spot, mm. that you need help, that you need a nudge. Um, I had a cush thing with the SDR gig because, you know, the AE that I worked under, I was getting salary and then I was getting a percentage of what he brought in. So I could be having the most flat month in the world and just setting appointments for him. Uh, and he closes them. I'm making a percentage off that. And I could have stuck mm. with that, but that was comfortable. That was where I learned the game. I felt at ease with it. Now I need to find something that makes me scared. Um, and I tell people all this all the time is on the pathway on the, on the other side of fear is everything you've ever wanted. Yeah. And that you have to be able to find ways to break through that. And, it, you know, I'm creating my own book of business now and it's intimidating and, and going to sales standups and saying what deals are coming in, what deals aren't coming in. But mm. this is what makes it fun because that fear gives you energy and makes you feel alive. You know, it's what where growth happens and I'm all about growing. hundred percent, my dude. Um, you're very right. It's in those uncomfortable situations that true growth happens. And I say it to my students and my reps as well, is like you need to do something at least once a day that scares the shit out of you because that's when you know you're alive. <laughs> that's when you can feel something. Um, and I think like even when I go into shows like this or if I'm doing training or if I'm standing up in front of a crowd on a music gig, I sometimes let them know that I'm nervous you know, because this is nerve wracking, but I'm willing to do it and I'm ready to do it. And like you said, everything you want is on the other side of fear. But nine times out of 10, the things that you fear are probably things that you shouldn't be fearing. It's just because you haven't faced them before. But once you've faced it and you've done it over and over and over again, you grow more confident and you're not as worried about it, right? Um, 
and that and, and you know I love that analogy of like it's the growth happens in the reps that you can't make um and it kind of reminds me like when I am in the gym or if I'm in a hit class or something and I want to give up like I'm sweating buckets and I'm like I've all my energy's gone I kind of remember this 40% rule that I learned from the the David Goggins book you know um can't hurt me and he always says that you know like when you get to that last depleted point where you think you're going to up no that you have that 40% still left in the tank and you can keep going because you are stronger than you think. You know, it's all in the freaking mind. Uh, and this thing can play crazy tricks on us and, you know, make us try to stop going into sort of things. Um, and you know what? It's funny because I, I met um, a young SDR yesterday for dinner. Shouts out to Matt. And when I was speaking with Matt, he was somebody that came to me on a Zoom where he was out of work. He was an ex-recruiter and he wanted to get into the SDR gig and he was finding it freaking difficult, right? Yeah. So I just gave him some career okay. advice, made some introductions. I'm really happy to say he's now a full-fledged SDR. But the one thing that Matt kept saying to me at dinner was like, you know, I'm not really a great salesperson. I'm not really, you know, pushy and I'm not really cutthroat. That's just not me. And I said, I used to think the same way. Um, but I said to him, you have to be very careful how you talk to yourself. You know, if you keep saying to yourself, I cannot do it, or this isn't for me, or, you know, I don't think I'm going to be great here. You can talk yourself out of some great opportunities, right? You know, so obviously you have your own mind, Chris, like what's your self talk like? How do you get yourself pumped or, you know, how do you face adversity and like push through? How, how do you talk to yourself? Just, you know, just motivate myself. It's, it's funny, and I'm trying to bypass your question, but it's funny you brought up David Goggins because I actually, I did, I ran four miles with Goggins. Whoa. Huntington Beach. Uh, nice. When he was doing the four, yeah, when he was doing the four by four by four, which is run four miles every four hours for four days. Um, and dude, this guy, that guy is 100% the real deal. Like literally, yeah. we all found out he was going to be at the pier at a certain time. We show up. And then all of a sudden, right when I get there, he takes off running. And this guy runs like a gazelle. Um, <laughs> I was just trying to keep up with him. And it was like running in the – have you ever seen Rocky when he's running and all the people are following after him? Yeah. That's yeah, how yeah. this run with Goggins was. It was running through the Huntington Beach Pier and, like, knocking people over <laughs> and trying to stay up with this guy. <laughs> and we finished. Everyone is uh, everyone's breathing and, and about to puke. And then he's just standing there, you know, gl glistening in the sun like he barely even broke a sweat. And I read his book as well, too. And, and I realized that it is about the talk. And when, when, when Goggins talks about that 40% rule, you know, it makes, mm -hmm. a lot of, it makes a lot of sense because we want to quit too easily. And mm -hmm. we get to the point where we feel like we're a failure. You know, we've had people hang up on us. We've had people call us names. Um, we have people booked meetings and that is where you grow right when you're about to quit and you feel like you're not going to be able to make this thing happen you have to realize that it can't happen and this is where things things start to turn you know for the better negative self-talk is the worst thing you can possibly do you gotta be able to laugh it off i tried to book a guy for the meeting the other day and he texts me back and he says that I should reach back out to him in 2064. And I'm like, wait, that's like 40 <laughs> years from now. And he's it. And it's like, thanks a lot. Peace. He's like, thanks a lot. Peace out, pussy, right? Like, the guy's looking oh, for a fight. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, this, this doesn't make sense. All right. So I kill him with kindness and I don't, I don't press the matter. 
I could have went the complete other direction and got yeah, crazy yeah. on him, but that, that's what he wanted. Yes. So my belief is this, is that you're going to have that self-talk going through your head, but you can't expose it and being transparent about it. If you're in a mm -hmm. meeting and you're nervous, tell them you're nervous because when you're, when you're being truthful, then people start to like and trust you and people yeah. buy from people they like and they trust. When you're, when they see you're nervous, you're sweating, you're stuttering and you don't tell them that, then they're like, okay, this person's not being transparent. I don't trust mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're hiding things from me. Um, and that's what I try to do with everybody is be completely transparent. And I run the operation like a doctor's office, right? If you're mm. going for surgery, like have you ever had surgery? Yes. Okay. So you meet with the doctor before the surgery, they go over the pros, they go over the cons and they make it up to, they leave it up to you whether or not you want to move forward with the, you know, with the surgery. I do the same thing with sales. I tell mm. them the pros, the cons, I put it, I put it in their hands and then I try to press a no. I try to get them to say no. And the weirdest mm. thing is, it's like reverse psychology. They, yeah. they, they have to say yes now that I'm trying to get them to say no. Yeah. I love that. I love that, Chris. And there are, there are certain points in that. And the guy that says reach back on 26 or you get these things, right? Um, and you said something very true in terms of, you know, they want you to react, they want you to bite. And I could imagine being somebody that's done mixed martial arts, you have to have an element of self-discipline. And I've been tested throughout my life, not just in work with prospects, with customers, but people in life. And the one thing uh, a friend says to me, Neil, you, he is um, an Arabic friend. He says, you've got sabr. And I said, what's sabr? And he said, sabr, it means patience. He said, you've got a patience of a saint. You don't ever get angry or you don't ever react. And I said, because you kind of got two paths to this, right? You can either react and get wound up by people and you'll feed into their BS, you know, or they, they want you to do something. Or you can look at it and think, is this really beneficial to me? Is it going to get me anywhere? But for a lot of people maybe listening in, they're tested on a daily basis by their prospects and their managers and their bosses and, you know, prospects and everything like that. Chris, how do you stay calm under pressure and how do you stay I'm asking because I want to know, but in terms of self-discipline, how do you like keep yourself in supper? How do you keep yourself at peace with patience? You know, I, we, I view that we all have this power source inside of us. And if we give that power away through frustration, anger, you know, we're powerless. Um, mm. You always have control of your emotions, no matter what people say to you, do to you, it's up to you on how you react. And if you react, you're giving them exactly what they want. You have to make it a joke where, you know, you just laugh back at them and, and throw it in their face and, and, and go from there. But patience is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wisdom type of thing. And as you get older, I think you understand patience, you know, at a higher level. Mm -hmm. People will always test us and they will always try to, you know, they're always going to try to do that and they're going to heckle us and, Listen, the, the, the God's honest truth is we kill our leaders, right? When you start to rise up to the top and get some notoriety, people don't want you to be there. They want to bring you down because mm. they want to be where you are. Yeah. And the, the, there's a bunch of haters out there. You got to just stay your path. You got to keep climbing and realize that it doesn't mean anything. Like it's all going to be forgotten anyway. So what's the matter whether you win or lose? Because it's not like 300 years from now. 
they're going to know that I was number 28 SDR at yeah. Crowdbotics. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, you think the whole world revolves around you. It doesn't. Nobody cares. Yeah. So if nobody cares, why do you care? Yeah, I love that. A hundred percent. And you're right. You're going you're gonna to face um, a lot of adversity. I, you know what, like in personal life through music and just stuff in general in life, I've faced a lot of challenges. And the saying that I remember is, you go to school to take the lessons to then get the test. And in life, you get the test to get the lesson. And you'll be keep getting tested until you've learned that lesson. And I've learned not to react to certain things. And sometimes I realize when people are hating or, you know, throwing negativity away, that's a reflection of them, not you. And it's their insecurities because they may feel intimidated by you. Um, but I don't believe in people shitting down on other people. And, you know, I believe in supporting and being somebody's cheerleader and rooting them on. Like when I see people win in life, I'm genuinely happy for them. I'm celebrating their successes with them because, you know, it's not easy. Sometimes, again, with the world of social media and being online, we only see 10% of reality. We don't see what goes on behind the scenes. So, um, again, yeah, so, so for anybody listening, if there are tough times, ask yourself the question. If you're, gonna have, if you're not going to worry about it in five years, don't give it five minutes thoughts and just keep marching on and being you, 100%. I've loved this, this. This conversation has pumped me, Chris. I, I know I keep saying it, but uh, <laughs> do you know what? I've I've got like a training uh, with a US client later today. They're based out in Texas, and I normally do trainings early in my morning, and it's going to be late in my evening. I'm like, I've got the Red Bull. Am I going to be able to do this? I'm worried because you know, am I going to get tired? But do you know what? I'm because of your advice. I'm going to tell them I'm feeling a little nervous. I'm going to feel a little bit tired, but I'm going <laughs> to give you the best training session. And welcome to my dojo. We're going to have some fun. Uh, but Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having on. And a reminder for our listeners and watchers, if you want to connect with Mr. Cope, uh, you can find his LinkedIn details in our show notes as well as our YouTube link description. Uh, feel free to connect with him and ask any questions. And again, don't forget to like, comment and subscribe in your local platforms on how you're listening and watching to this. But Chris, as we're coming towards the end of this beautiful journey uh, on today's show, what three bits of advice would you give to a young Chris Cope who's just about to embark on this journey of tech, sales, and getting in with the mob? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really make connections, right? Get to know a lot of people, build that LinkedIn new network because you might have played on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Well, guess what? LinkedIn's your new social media playground, and it's all about really who you know. And the hard thing is this. If, you know, if you're not working in person, you're remote. It's hard to make those connections. So make those connections. Be interested in other people. Want it? All, everybody's got a story, and everybody wants to tell you their story. So listen to their story. Remember names. Remember dates. And most of all, have fun and make it a game. Because in in the end, in the grand scheme of things, it's all just one big game. And either you play it or it plays you. So have fun in the process. Absolutely. And I'd also add into that, stay hard. Shout out to Goggin. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to say that on the show. Uh, but Chris, are there any uh, shout outs or kudos that you'd like to give uh, before we end today? Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to give first off a shout out to my wife, Sherry, um, because she, she got me set up with this whole um, tech venture by buying me a new Apple laptop, never losing faith in me, always being by my side. Um, and for my son, you know, Bodie, that I'm always inspired, my parents, my family, my, um, my manager, uh, AJ Smith, that believed in me and pushed uh, towards me and just crowdbotics in general that the, the, 
the camaraderie that they built that they made it basically be they made it be like a family this is a company that i while i was working there i lost my father and i lost my grandmother and they were there for me you know like family they gave me the time that i needed um and they treated me like you know a significant other and that's very hard to find in a company that feels like family so shout out to crowdbox as well Dude, that touched my heart deep and a shout out to all the team, the missus, the kid uh, and everyone. And and shouts out to your family as well. So ladies and gentlemen, again, appreciate all of you listening and watching this in. I think this was a great episode. We have a UFC vet turned into SDR in tech. We've got some bars in there. We go stay hard, people. But Chris Cope, thank you so much for joining. Have a great week and most importantly, happy selling, sir. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. If you work in tech sales and have a career or story that you'd love to share, then please email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'll be in contact to book in a show. 